The scripture reading this morning is from Matthew chapter 9, verses 9 through 13 and 18 through 26, the call of Matthew. As Jesus was walking along, he saw a man called Matthew sitting at the tax booth, and he said to him, follow me. And he got up and followed him. And as he sat at dinner in the house, many tax collectors and sinners came and were sitting with him and his disciples. When the Pharisees saw this, they said to the disciples, why does your teacher eat with tax collectors and sinners? But when he heard this, he said, those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick. Go and learn what this means. I desire mercy, not sacrifice. For I have come to call not the righteous, but the sinners. While he was saying these things to them, suddenly a leader of the synagogue came in and knelt before him, saying, My daughter has just died, but come and lay your hand on her, and she will live. And Jesus got up and followed him with his disciples. Then suddenly a woman who had been suffering from hemorrhages for 12 years came up behind him and touched the fringe of his cloak. For she said to herself, if I only touch his cloak, I will be made well. Jesus turned and seeing her, he said, take heart, daughter, your faith has made you well. And instantly the woman was made well. When Jesus came to the leader's house, and saw the flute players in the crowd making a commotion, he said, go away, for the girl is not dead, but sleeping. And they laughed at him. But when the crowd had been put aside, he went in and took her by the hand, and the girl got up. And the report of this spread throughout that district. This is the word of God for the people of God. Help us to hear your word, O Lord, to live it, to be it. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Okay, I'm going to need your help at the beginning of this sermon. I want you to imagine in your mind, get their face in your mind, the most judgmental, critical person you have ever known. This is not a friend. This is a frenemy. Someone you would try to please, you could try to please for 500 years, and nothing you would do would bring a smile to this, their face or a compliment to their lips. Have you got that person settled in your mind? Neighbor? Family member, never your spouse. Spouses are never critical of each other. Children, oh, you're so lame, Dad. Whatever, I don't know. Who's that person for you? Get them squarely in your mind. I, I know it's a, a risky thing to do, to think of an Eeyore. It'll just bring you down. But do it anyway, because now you are ready to hear this story. A, a woman had recently given her life to Jesus, and she went to her pastor and said, please tell me how I can be a good witness to my husband. 
I want him to know Jesus too. Well, our pastor offered a, a couple of tidbits of wisdom. He said, don't act like you're superior in any way because you have Jesus in your life and he doesn't. Don't act like you're better or more special than he is. Here's what you do. And now he was getting to the meat of it. Go home and tell your husband he was right. Every time he criticized you, he was right. Every negative thing he ever said about you, he was right. Everything he said in your most recent quarrel, he was right. Then, when he regains consciousness, tell him that he didn't tell you half the truth. Confess that you are far worse than he ever said. Tell him that by becoming a Christian, you have discovered what a wretched sinner you are, but that you have found forgiveness at the hands of our merciful Savior. And when you mess up, and you will, when you tarnish your witness, and you will, you can say, there I go again, Lord, but isn't that why you came? Would you say that's risky? Sissy, were you listening? Three words. You were right. Oh, am I going to pay for that later? It's risky. But our faith has always been risky. Our faith has never been about what is convenient for us, what is easy for us, what fits into our schedule, our routine. Our faith has always been risky. The early Christians were persecuted, fed to hungry lions. They were forced to battle trained gladiators who carried weapons when the Christians went unarmed. That's risky faith. Christians in many countries today are still persecuted. They are thrown into ghastly prisons without any charges brought against them and no date set for a trial. Their crime, preaching Christ, giving their hearts and their lives to Jesus. That's a risky faith. In even more countries, Christians are not allowed to have any but the most menial of jobs, dooming them to a lifetime of poverty. That's a risky faith. 
in some places, Christians worship in hiding. Or imagine this. Imagine signing up to be a missionary in one of those countries uh, that are terribly against anything Christian and doing it with a heart full of joy and excitement. That's a risky faith. These verses today are about people who lived and who still live a risky faith. A woman dares to touch the hem of Jesus' robe. What's the big deal? Well, she could have been killed for a woman to touch a rabbi in public was strictly forbidden on pain of death. She could have run. She could have disappeared into the crowd. But when Jesus saw who had touched his robe, she was healed. That's a risky faith. Matthew, too, had a taxing encounter with Jesus. As a tax collector, he was considered a traitor to his own people. He swindled them. He made a fortune off the poorest among them. But when Jesus said, Matthew, follow me, Matthew did, giving up an incredibly lucrative lifestyle and business, changing the entire way he lived his life, eventually giving that life as a martyr to his Lord. That's a risky life. That's a risky faith. And aren't you glad that Matthew took that risk? We know the Lord's Prayer. We know the fullest form of the Sermon on the Mount and the Beatitudes because Matthew took that risk. Only Matthew uses wise men to open the story of Jesus' life. Matthew alone gives us the parables about treasure hid in a field and the pearl of great price for which a person would sell everything to obtain it. Perhaps he saw how well those parables fit his own life. And all of this recorded in a gospel he wrote which we have and cherish today only because Matthew said yes to a risky faith. Great things happen when we live a risky faith. Think about it. We open the doors wide of this church of Aldersgate Medical Center, calling sinners to come in and find a home 
among us. That's a risky faith. There is no telling who might wander in through those doors. Somebody drunk? Somebody wanting to know if a congregation of a different denomination can meet here and use our facilities? Scammers wanting gas money for trips they will never take? People struggling to make ends meet, wanting food? Homeless people wanting money for just one night in a motel room? What a risky faith. Rebecca Jordan tells a story about her friend, Neil. Neil had been at a drugstore picking up a few items and was driving home when he noticed a Volkswagen bug following him way too closely. To his surprise, it followed him all the way home and into his driveway. He got out of his car to confront the driver and got another surprise. There was no driver. Neil had accidentally backed into the little car, hooking their bumpers together. Neil called the drugstore just moments after the car's owner had called the police and, he report, and had reported it stolen. Are you wondering what point I'm going to make with that story? Choir? How hitched are you to Jesus? How hitched are you to Jesus? How closely are you following him? Follow me, he says. And he still says it. Great things happen when we live such a risky faith. Amen.